Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Find out how ugly mankind can really be. Myself and the click are gonna dance all over your face. Talk about your psalms, talk about John 316. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Welcome, everyone. It's the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review, where we watch every single episode of Monday Night Raw until we die. Who be we? I be fake, Geordie. Radio presenter without portfolio, Tom Campbell, and on the other end of the tin can and string is the mulligan to my O'Hare, the notorious Jackie Orlando. Jackie, how you doing? Hello, Tom. I am not coming live from uh, just outside of Sao Paulo, Brazil, as I was the other day. Uh, yeah, I was um, on the monthly uh, news review. I sent a telegram to Fraser. I'm back off my travels now. Welcome and I'm back in my room. I was just explaining to Tom before we recorded. Because I'm in my, my home office now, but I've still got loads to do. Set my desk up. And if you're watching on Patreon, you'll see I decided to put, you know, put my desk opposite a window, not thinking that that would be terrible for recording. <laughs> so I just bunged the curtain up and got some lighting in and I look a bit, I look a bit washed out. I Let mean, me, last, some last week, uh, when people would have watched last week, you, you looked like you were in a show home. Yeah. Uh, this week, I think because there's like some random boxes to your side, and because the curtain is very sort of like brown and rushed, it does look like you're being held hostage. Yeah, <laughs> being held hostage by Poppy licking her arsehole behind me. Um, but I've got some of the crap in my office. My mate gave me this lovely picture of Ringo Starr the other day. <laughs> <laughs> and, see, uh, see, this is the thing. When you live in Liverpool, you have to have that up in your home. Ringo comes around to check. Well, yeah, where I'm living is like where he lived as a kid. So there's loads of Ringo stuff. Uh, my Elvis uh, Pez dispensers. The timing. You showed that on Twitter the other day. The timing of it couldn't be more perfect because we mm. just got done watching the Pez Outlaw on Netflix, which is the story of the guy who... Uh, when when Pez had their U.S. distributors and European distributors, who they would very rarely like have stuff from the European Pez factory sold in America, he went to Europe, bought like bought thousands and thousands of Pez that you couldn't buy in America, and sold them at conventions and made millions. 
Good on you. That I mean, it's the American dream, isn't it? It is the. It's an amazing. Oh, mate, watch the documentary. It's brilliant. It's got uh, twists and turns all the way through. Talking of twists and turns, I'll just be half a second. This cat has to be ejected from my. Oh no, she's gone. It's okay. Oh. It's okay. But, but, what um, was she doing? She was just going. <laughs> literally been asleep all day. I get up to like get my lamp for lighting and all this, and she's on the landing going. All right, dickhead, what were you up to? I'm just like, not now, please. please. I'll, I'll always remember when, like, Pablo, when I'm working from home, Pablo tends just to leave me to it, except when I was talking to Drew McIntyre that time, to which, like, as I'm interviewing Drew from the spare room, from the isolation station, you just see Pablo's little face pop up going, hi, Dad, I love you. What are you doing? What are you doing? He starts headbutting my arm. What are you doing, Dad? What are you doing, Dad? <laughs> like, why is it now, today, you want to talk to me? Just, I know. Love you, I miss you. Arses. So the... Hang on, right, right. You you entertain the, the, the lovely listener out there. I'll throw her off a cliff. All right, so as, as uh, Jack Atkins goes to throw his cat off a cliff, you might, if you're watching on the... Oh, there she is! Brief Louie sighting. So brief Poppy sighting, rather. That's exciting. If you're watching on the Patreon, you've got a nice cheeky little look at Poppy there. Uh, you can watch the Patreon video of this by uh, joining us at patreon.com forward slash cultaholic. Every episode of the classic Raw about that a Nitro review is filmed for your pleasure and you can watch it there. It's a little, it's a little special feature that we like to offer for people who continue to support us by the power of Patreon and we thank you for doing so. Even by our standards, this is the most unprofessional podcast <laughs> So it's all about mates. Perfectly fine. Yeah. Doesn't get lost in the edit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it won't. <laughs> Do you know what I did yesterday? Go on. I had a whole day off. I saw? I was like, bloody hell. Whole day off. I did nothing work-based. I went for like a two-hour walk to Wall's End. And I found a nice little coffee shop. And, and I, st- I started writing a book. So I oh. was writing a bit of a book. Are we talking a fictiony book, a non-fictiony book? Johnny or... and the Clonosaurus. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's uh, it, it, it's a. I can't reveal too much at this point, but I've started writing a book, and uh, it was just a night. It was just nice to have a day where I didn't, like, and, I, and I deliberately didn't take on extra work. I just went, yeah. nope, I'm having a whole day off, because uh, like like uh, like L'Oreal, I'm worth it. I did that yesterday. <laughs> That's wonderful. Lovely. Thank you, matey. How yeah. is how are you? What's new with you this week? Well, it's it's been it's been absolutely scorcho in Liverpool. It's been scorcho all week until today because it is cloudy. Um, <laughs> two of my best friends are currently visiting. One from Toronto, one from Sydney. So I've just been out eating meat, drinking meat, looking at meat, and talking about meat. Well, the wrestlers all stays yeah. Yeah, and they're just like, don't know what you're on about, mate. I'm just like, trust me, he could have been the man. <laughs> like Stan Stasiak. Uh, exactly. See what you did there. So yeah. are, are they not staying with you then? No, no, no. Uh, they're, they're both from Merseyside, but they just both happen to be visiting at the same time. So it's like, oh, this is wonderful. Oh, how lovely. This is the yeah. joys of you being back home, surrounded by your old, your old chums. Yeah, but I'm tired now. <laughs> Want to go home? <laughs> it's socialising, isn't it? Sometimes it's knackering. Yeah. yeah. One of them, isn't it? We lost the Iron Sheik the other day. And I think it's pertinent to talk about the Iron Sheik very briefly. Yeah. Because in future episodes of this podcast, we will talk about the Iron Sheik. Um, the episode, there's an episode that you're going to hear, which 
we talk loving we talk with lovingness about a bollocks bit <laughs> bit of a segment featuring Bob Packland and the Sheik, and uh, and we recorded that, and then he passed away. So hmm. uh, your memories of the Iron Sheik? Oh, he was. It's it's cheeky baby, isn't it? Even before all the memes, when I was a little kid and first getting into wrestling, like 1990, 1991, when I was like two or three, um, I'd watch whatever wrestling I could get my hands off. And I also had the Hulk Hogan cartoon on video, which the Iron Sheik's a big part of that. And I was just like, oh, Sheiky, he's a wrong one. And then when you get older and you just realise he was just an absolute maverick. <laughs> and legit, legit as, as balls as well, but yeah. What what a a one off the Iron Sheik an absolute one off. Uh, I took great joy the other night, and it was a bittersweet joy. Uh, once he passed, was going back through the WWE network and finding clips and promos and stuff that the Sheik's done, and you know his lesson is lesser remembered run in WCW. So to see Iron Sheik chatting with Jim Ross and Michael Hayes on that NWA set as the Iron Sheik was always very strange to see. Yeah. But um, just a, just a, a titan of wrestling and, and a massive part of wrestling history. Like one of the, the, the biggest boom periods in pro wrestling history was started by the Iron Sheik, essentially. Like he was the starter cap. And the story that does the rounds about how he was offered all this money to break Hogan's leg. And he went to Vince McMahon and said, I don't like I've been told to break Hogan's leg and I don't want to, Vince. I don't want to do it. And Vince went, Do you want some more money? I will take some more money, Vince McMahon. <laughs> he was I never will... gonna do it, but he was just like, I will take more money, but I wasn't gonna do it anyway. Yeah. It's um I can't even think what I was gonna say. Yeah, well, when we look at wrestling through obviously a modern lens and through social media and recency bias and like we've had this with Fraser where he said, uh, if you ask people on the street who's more famous, The Undertaker or Steve Austin, and he went The Undertaker and we all called him an arsehole. We were like, <laughs> we were just like, we were like, shut up, Fraser. But it's one of those, even looking back on it through the 80s, and it wasn't just Hogan and Warrior and Savage, but like you're saying, Iron Sheik and all this, this rich tapestry of characters. And everyone's just like, Iron Sheik dies and. It was an outpouring from all over every strand of entertainment of people just having these childhood memories of this lunatic with a big mustache trying to break people's backs. <laughs> and not a massive fan of Hulk Hogan. Like he was always very subtle about that. I don't know whether you picked it up. Oh no, no. No, no. He no. always wanted to, to fuck the Hulk Hogan and break his back and humble him. Piece of shit. Piece of shit jabroni Hulk Hogan. I did a stream the other day where for two hours I just read the Iron Sheik's Twitter. Oh. <laughs> just a joy. Just a joy. We know he didn't write it. It's still a joy. It was yeah. kept in front of mind in 2023. What more do you want? God bless you, Sheiky baby. Fly high. We're honoured to be talking about you for the next couple of months. And uh, but and, and and because you wouldn't have it any other way, when your promos do get a bit rambly and a bit weird, a bit shit, we will say so. <laughs> because we've got to talk about an old episode of Raw. Yeah. Particularly the one from September the 6th, 1996. And I know we've got a girthy uh, bit of Wrestling Observer-based news that you're going to bring us in just a moment. 
uh, because it's a double it's a it's a double bump week because Raw was moved to Friday. More on that in a bit. Uh, but I'll give you some bollocks from the real world before we get started. This is relatively girthy as well, so we'll get through this. Number one in the use in the UK music chart, still Wannabe uh, by the Spice Girls. Number one in the US music star, music chart, still Macarena by Los mm. Del Rio. Uh, Independence Day is number one in the UK in the movies. Uh, the US box office number one is The Crow, City of Angels. Oh, is that the sequel star in Edward Furlong? That's the one. <laughs> uh, a whopping 11% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. I can't believe it got to number one. I know. I think the, the power of The Crow yeah. took it to the box office number one. Uh, one of the, the record breakers for Labor Day weekend in terms of box office success. Mm. But what happened is a record amount of people found out at the same time that it was shit. Hey. Uh, Joe Lydon of Variety describes it as stunningly awful. <laughs> um, uh, Owen Gleiberman of Entertainment Weekly gave it a glib D rating and said, even for teens hooked on the grandiloquence of death metal masochism, the movie may seem closer to an endless Sunday in church. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, quite the rasping review there. Gleiberman leaving no man alive with that particular review. <laughs> Uh, your thoughts on the Crow City of Angels? Have you ever seen it? Never seen it. Um, I rewatched the original Crow either earlier this year or late last year. Um, it was earlier this year, and yeah, I I, I quite like it. It's it's mad. While we were watching it, I was like, it's it's strange that this became such a phenomenon. I do think most of it was based on the unfortunate death of Brandon Lee, but never saw the second one. Saw the cover and saw. Um, yeah, Edward Furlong looking like a, a nine-year-old boy cosplaying and thought, that's probably not going to be very good. I think I'll give that one a miss. Yeah. I think we'll skip along from that one. Uh, one major event in the in the pop world, in, in, in the popular culture world that took place, uh, the day after ep- this episode of Monday Night Raw, uh, Tupac Shakur, American rapper, was fatally shot in a drive-by shooting in Las Vegas, Nevada at the age of 25. This story is incredible. Uh, The shooting occurred uh, not long after uh, Tupac had been along with Marion Suge Knight, the head of Death Row Records, to go and see Bruce Seldon versus Mike Tyson in Vegas. Uh, After leaving the match, uh, one of Knight's associates uh, was a, a member of the mob Pyrrhus gang in Compton spotted Orlando Baby Lane Anderson, who was from the Southside Compton Crips gang in the MGM Grand Lobby. A fight ensued. Anderson got beaten up. And then later on in the night, as he was traveling uh, to the nightclub, to the... um, to, to, to visit a nightclub to Club 662, uh, a car pulled up uh, alongside Tupac Shakur's car, shot Tupac uh, in uh, in the heart and in the arms. He went to hospital shortly afterwards and was pronounced dead a short while later uh, following cardiac arrest. Um, the story of Tupac Shakur's death is an unsolved mystery in the world of music. Uh, after Notorious B.I.G. was shot six months later, there was a lot of widespread speculation that the two murders might have been connected. Uh, mm. That was never officially confirmed. Uh, but your thoughts, your memories of Tupac Shakur? Well, uh, there's as a, a rapper yourself. As a, you know, of course. Um, my preference, I'm a big hip-hop guy. My preference is more East Coast stuff, so I don't listen to too much Tupac. Um but obviously, you know, it's an icon of the industry. You mentioned there he was with Suge Knight. There are some schools of thought that believe that he did it, and they think that the whole East Coast versus West Coast thing was more kind of 
it wasn't a real rivalry. It was just kind of built up by the press itself to sell records, to get these images. And there are some conspiracy theories that believe he did it. I'm not saying as such because he's still alive and he's a very frightening man, Shrug Knight. Um, and he knows where I... No, he doesn't. Um, <laughs> well, Ringo yeah. does. Oh, God, he does, yeah. <laughs> He'd be like, you know, Shrug... He's not a mank, Ringo, what am I doing? Yeah, Shug. Yeah, nah, Shug, nah. It's me, Ringo Starr from Salford. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I can, yeah, completely whiffed that it was 1996. But yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Mm. and you know what? It's it's it sounds a bit crass to say it, but kind of glad that Jerry Lawler wasn't on commentary for this. I kind of well, feel like there would have been a joke made. Yeah, I definitely. Kind of feel like there would have been something. Who knows what the, what the weeks to come? But certainly not on this particular occasion. That was the major uh, pop culture moment of this particular week. Uh, some stuff about the tennis as well, the small matter of the US Open taking place, which is the reason why Monday Night Raw is on a Friday instead of a Monday. Mm. Uh, because Pete Sampras was busy retaining his title over fellow American Michael Chang, while Steffi Graf rep in Germany would beat Monica Sellers representing Yugoslavia, now Serbia and Montenegro, obviously. Uh, but there, so it was a big, a big week in the U.S. Open as well, with Pete Sampras further proving why he deserves several Mega Drive games named after him. <laughs> Very hairy arms, Pete Sampras. He had really hairy arms. Do you think that was a, a strategic thing? I think so, because uh, you look at Andre Agassi as well, who was obviously like the, the the bad boy poster boy of tennis in the late eighties, came back in the late nineties, and he was a very hairy man as well. And I think it was that added body hair just helped with a. I don't know, a deuce. <laughs> I think it made him more aerodynamic. There we go, yeah. And help the gravity around him pull tennis balls into his... Sports scientist, Tom Campbell. Thank you very much. I'm here all week. Uh, that's the real world. What's happening in the wrestling world, Jack Atkins? Well, right, oh, okay. Breathe in. So the last episode of Monday Night Raw we watched was uh, Monday, August the 19th. This one is airing... On Friday, September the 6th. So in between that time, two issues of The Observer have come out. And there's a fucking lot in there. <laughs> so whatever you're doing, if you haven't got a drink or a snack, just give this a little pause. Go, you know, top up your particular libation. Get yourself a Kit Kat or whatever other chocolatey biscuit product you've had. I've just a had one. Tim Tam. No, have a Tim Tam. Or a Wank. I've, uh, yeah, I mean, you could do. We'll Somewhere. be here watching. If we know you, what you're if doing. If you conceive a child to this next segment, you must name the child Jackie. <laughs> After Jackie Chan. After uh, Jackie Chan. So, two issues of the Observer to get through. I'll try and be concise because it's Dave Meltzer and he is anything <laughs> but concise. He writes like jazz happens. So, there's a few stories in this first one and then we'll have follow-ups on the second one. So, Indulge me, indulge me. So this first one is the Wrestling Observer newsletter dated September the 2nd, 1996. So like we've explained before, the newsletter comes out on a Friday, but it's dated the preceding, uh, sorry, the, the following Monday. So this is dated September the 2nd, but it would have come out um, August 31st. 31st. Oh my God. Right. You're doing great today, Fred. Thanks, thanks. So, as you mentioned, Monday Night Raw was preempted by the US Open and will be again on September 2nd. So, yeah, look forward to more of this next episode. <laughs> the major bit of WWF news this week involves Brett the Hitman Hart. 
He became a major topic of discussion based on several reports that he may not return to the WWF domestically, despite all the television hype building for his return over the past few weeks. Uh, so, um, you know, the end of August, this is now basically. Hart had left for a lengthy visit to South Africa to film a television show called Sinbad and participate as the headline attraction of WWF's South Africa tour from September 8th to 12th. Hart had agreed to do the tour several months back. You know, he'd never been there. He'd be the top attraction. You know, cater into Brett's ego. So according to several reports, Hart and Vince McMahon had a meeting um, several weeks before this. There's lots of use of the word several. It's doing some heavy lifting here. So both had agreed to a proposed scenario building Hart's return to the WWF, although probably not until either the end of 96 or early 97. The scenario was believed to be that Hart would appear at the next uh, WWF, WWF show, which is Mind Games, on September 22nd, make an announcement concerning his retirement, and that whatever his announcement would be, that event would climax with an angle involving Hart and Steve Austin. But they think, set it up, Hart will come a little while after. So as we've seen on TV, Austin's been saying, yeah, I want to batter Bret Hart, and commentary have been alluding to it as well, saying, oh, you know, Austin's got his eyes on him. But Dave expects that his return, it'd be like a little run, it would climax at WrestleMania with a rematch against Shawn Michaels. Some close to the hitman insist that he's changed his mind about working after the South Africa tour. And another report is that WCW have continued to like knock on his door saying, you're coming in, we've got a bag of cash for you. We've got so much money for you. Um and Dave's even said, you know, he's he's 39. If you were 39, you've probably had the best years of your career behind you. Ted Turner and Eric Bischoff are coming at your door with a literal blank check. You'd probably take it. Um, And, you know, Dave goes on to say he has the ball in his court right now. And whatever road he chooses, if he chooses to stay with the WWF, he can probably rinse them for money. If he chooses to go to the WCW, he can rinse them for money. So we'll wait and see. If you do want to see how Bret Hart fared in the adventures of Sinbad, you can watch the scenes on YouTube for free in which uh, Bret Hart is playing a Viking and kidnaps a maiden <laughs> played by actress Jacqueline Collin. And I think at one point attempts to woo her. And, mm. <laughs> and it's just funny seeing Bret Hart playing a Viking. You know, I can't wait to get back to my home in Scandinavia where I am from. <laughs> I am a but... Scandinavian man. <laughs> I hope you get someone in a sharpshooter on a boat. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Not that I've seen it on the clip that I've seen, but you can watch uh, the scenes in question on mm. YouTube. Uh, knowing the the state of his book, he probably they probably had sex afterwards. Probably, I haven't read his book. A lot. Oh, it's basically uh, Women it That I Have Porked, a coffee table book by Bret Hart. Oh, God. Yeah, I've got it on my desk here. I've uh, got Matthew's copy at the moment. But I remember Jack King was reading it a while back, and every day in the office he'd be like, I've read another chapter. It's just grim. He, he oh, he's It's such a sad life. And then he just cheats on his wife again. And it's like, oh, God. <laughs> so, <laughs> If you do read it, put gloves on before you do, just in case you get pregnant. <laughs> oh, God. And uh, <laughs> name, your, name your child Brett. Jackie yes. Brett. Yes, you do. So talking of the home of Vikings, uh, the WWF drew the largest paid crowd in North America to attend pro wrestling several years on August 24th for the Canadian National Exhibit WWF Express Show at Toronto's Exhibition Stadium. Uh, we'll see a bit of this on Raw itself. So um, 
it was the largest turnout for any CNE event in many years. It says here 21,211 fans turned up paying over 400,000 Canadian dollars, which is about 25 quid. Um, the show was a show. So WWF had got into an agreement with CNE and sold the show to CNE, which means that all $436,000 that didn't go straight to WWF, but you know, they were paid an undisclosed guarantee. Um, yeah absolutely massive um i've been to the cne there was no wrestling on but i did see a cow um <laughs> so <laughs> one of them isn't it? <laughs> uh, 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 do you want some other notes about the experience event in toronto yes please so uh should you again wish to do some extracurricular activity there is a, a full bootleg recording of this event online from the uh from the autograph signing the morning of all the way through to the main event of the evening with with one with two mates one of them is just holding a camera all the way through um highlights i mean i mean i'll go through some of the bits for you from the show um as as jack atkins rightly said the largest turnout for any cne event in many years in fact an amazing one of the best turnouts for wwe in many years yeah uh 21,211 fans now there was a rumor that this show was streamed on wwf.com uh, it seems unlikely. The idea of WWF.com streaming anything in 1996 sounds painful. <laughs> uh, the bootleg shows an autograph signing session beforehand with Mark Merrow, Sable, Savio Vega, Mr. Perfect, the British Bulldog, Goldust, Shawn Michaels, who gets a lot of booze. Yeah. Yeah, used to that, Sean. <laughs> yeah. Some girly screams, some screams from the ladies and, and female tones, but... Um, a lot of booze, but it also features the Undertaker in what is essentially the first ever sighting of Biker Taker. Yeah, because he comes in, he comes out to his to to the the funeral march, but he's wearing sunglasses, a do rag, like a black jacket and jeans. It's Biker Taker in 1996. <laughs> it's amazing though, because even though we're at the end of 1996, like Mister Perfect's there, and he's got like these 1992 bike glasses on and a backwards cap and he's just like it's just people still have mullets and you're just like oh it's just it lingered on didn't it it really did um we had roddy piper opening the show bigging up toronto saying that uh, he used to sleep in the subway station in toronto city center and mm. uh, also trained at the glasgow boxing club and ends by saying piper for president also piper for prime minister i don't think that should ever happen um talking of piper though that's the last time we'll see him on WWF TV for Is several it? years. Yeah, oh. it's the last time. Of yeah. course, because he goes over to the, the other side, doesn't he? Yeah, he goes to all Japan. <laughs> That's right. Uh, also, during that weekend, I forgot to mention, we'll see footage of this later. There was a special Olympic softball fundraiser which featured Sid Vicious playing tug of war with an elephant. Oh, it's fucking. Oh, it's it's heartbreaking. <laughs> I was really sad watching it. I was like, oh, it doesn't want to be there. And neither does the elephant. (laughs) I was going to say neither does the elephant. (laughs) It can't be asked. What a pro, what a pro. (laughs) In a surprise, it was announced that the next WWF show in Toronto will take place January 31st, 1997, my birthday, from the Sky Dome rather than the Maple Leaf Gardens, to which people Mm. would give a mixed reaction to. Okay. Uh, the card went as follows. The Godwins beat the New Rockers. Hunter Hearst Helmsley beat Bob Ollie. Uh, Savio Vega beat Justin Bradshaw in a Caribbean strap match. We'll do that again in a couple of weeks on pay-per-view. 
Jose Lothario beat Jim Cornette in three minutes 30 in another match that we'll do again on pay-per-view uh, with Jim Cornette dressed as a mini Vader. It was adorable. Uh, we had Steve Austin beat Mark Mero by count out. Sid beat Vader with the Toronto Argonauts surrounding the ring for that one. They didn't mm. necessarily say it was a lumberjack match, but I guess they were there as special enforcers. They're all fucking massive as well. Yeah. Most of them looked about the same height as Sid. It was terrifying. Uh, Farouk battered Aldo Montoya in less than a minute. Uh, Owen Hart and the British Bulldog, baby faces of the night, beat the evil smoking guns from America by DQ. Uh, the Undertaker beat Mankind, and a ladder match for the WWF title was the main event with Shawn Michaels beating Goldust. It looked like a really good ladder match between yeah. these two. Um, th- so as I said, this is a bootleg that I watched with two guys, I think one mainly holding a massive camcorder whilst filming. Um, some of my highlights from their commentary include uh, upon seeing Sable at the autograph signing, shouting, show us your tits! Uh, <laughs> during Lothario versus Cornette, shouting, oh, Jose's got a switchblade. During, during Undertaker versus Mankind, I'm so fucking hungry. <laughs> Was it Howard Stern doing this? It might have been. And late into the ladder match, asking his mate to hand him another camera battery very quickly. Oh, bloody hell. Wow, it's so 1996. I love it. I love it! <laughs> Experience looked like a good event. That yeah. looked like a good time had by all. And like we said, we'll, we'll see a bit of this on Raw later. And yeah. the official footage that they show as well looks good in terms of both it's an enthusiastic crowd, like you said, 20,000 there, and it just looks massive. And while they're in a, you know, a dick swinging competition with WCW, if someone's on this, you know, unopposed Friday thing, I'll watch them wrestle it and seeing 20,000 people in Biker Taker. And they're just like, oh, yeah, this looks pretty cool. <laughs> but yeah. Good night. So, good night. Back to Dave's ramblings. While this also isn't confirmed, this is harking back to last episode, uh, the reaction almost everywhere to the idea of weekly WWF pay per view seems to be negative. And if it does take place, it won't be anytime soon. So good because a weekly yeah. a weekly concept should be saved for NWA TNA in two thousand and two. <laughs> oh God, what was it? Is it Puppet who pulls a gun? What was it Puppet? I think Puppet pulled a gun on Tio. Yeah, ten dollars. Thank you. I can't wait till we launch the uh, classic TNA weekly podcast. You, I've had I have had several emails asking yeah. for such a thing. That oh, I was going to say you won't have to cross that bridge for a few years. But when Nitro ends, if if Sam's still got time, that, that will might, have to. That might yeah. be where we go. That might be where we go. I feel like once Nitro comes to a full conclusion, we might pick up a TNA one. Mm. <laughs> uh, to... <laughs> Moving on. No word yet on when Skip will return. He had a fractured fifth cervical vertebrae, and the doctors also found two fractured lumbar vertebrae that he's been working with on for a few months that he didn't even know about. So last time we saw Skip, he was working, but he didn't tag in, I don't think. He just stood there going, I am not taking a bump. <laughs> I'm doing nothing, mate. Yeah, and they got eliminated quickly, so we don't know when Skip will return. Uh, talking to people out on the injured list, Armour Johnson's condition is said to have proved, improved a lot over the past week. Originally, doctors felt he wouldn't be able to return till December, but he's recovering much quicker than anticipated. Yeah. And we'll hear from Ahmed later. Uh, so, someone else we'll hear from later. I'm going to have to just race through this. Uh, <laughs> Mark Henry is side with WWF. As we know, they've been hyping him up a bit. Uh, and Dave reckons, and, you know, this is 
long been believed by fans and i think it was was it ever confirmed that mark henry did sign a 10-year contract with i WWF? believe it was confirmed very early on that yeah. he signed this this watertight decade-long deal because mm. vince just knew he would be a star yeah but he, yeah 10 years at 250 grand a year so fair fox dear mark yeah <laughs> i wouldn't turn it down no for a guy who's never pro wrestled Mm. In his life, do you want a 10-year deal with a wrestling company? Yes, please. Yes, please. You can pile drive me through a fish tank if you like. (laughs) But according to Dave, he isn't the only person that has been offered a 10-year deal. And most of the high-level wrestlers are getting 250 grand per downside guarantees. His feeling is that anyone over 35, and he puts, you know, he doesn't know that anyone's getting these deals. But if you're over 35, take the long-term guarantee. But if you're younger don't because he reckons that um wages are going to go through the roof over the next couple of years which as we'll see the absolutely will mm-hmm. so a bit of wcw news which i'll just go over the bare headlines of it because you and sam will cover this but uh and this week uh on nitro ted dibiase debuted so Whee! more on that soon <laughs> WCW taped TV, apparently, and there's even more debuts. Forget Ted DiBiase. You've got Chris Jericho. You've got Super Kalo. You've got Hooventude. And you've got Glacier. At fucking last! (coughs) But wait, wait, wait. This is in September. Mm. Oh, shit. We're not even out of July. Mm. And they're going, Glacier coming soon. We've got another three. Well, it, it might even be like late August uh, because, like I said, the, the way yeah. Dave plays with time is a beautiful thing. But the way he's I expect Glacier all... just to walk out and go, and now I will go back from Emmalina to Emma. <laughs> Ta da! He just walks off. Jeez. So the way he's written it up is amazing. He put, he mainly does kickboxing moves. This is Bischoff's idea since he comes from a kickboxing background. And Glacier is designed to attract young young kids. He's actually written, designed to attract young kids. I'll leave that in the ether. Do we see that we taped a match with regular lighting, then tried out a gimmick where all the ring lights were turned down, and they wrestled in blue lighting with the gimmick that Glacier has superpowers, but since his blood runs cold, and his name's Glacier, his weakness is the lights, so his matches must be done in blue light or he loses his powers. Oh, hey, no. I'm not coming up with these scripts, just reporting them. He missed his finish both times. <laughs> Put the lights back on, maybe. <laughs> oh no! See, I was I was intrigued when you're like, oh, they changed the lighting. So I'm like, ah, so this was like where they got the idea for like the fiend and for Sin Cara, mm. and they went because if his if the lights are on, he loses his power. He melts because they're too hot. <laughs> like the end, like the end of the snowman. Mm. Oh god, <laughs> the saddest end of the. Snow- have you seen the extended version of the snowman where david bowie does the intro and insinuates that he's the little boy no yeah he's just he's just in that going you see one day years ago i met a snowman he had a that's a bit savile as well (laughs) i was hoping i was hoping that you would go have you seen the extending extended version where david bowie claims to be the snowman that would be amazing. Imagine they were baby. This was even this wasn't even my final form. <laughs> so talk about David Bowie. There is another outsider on the booking sheet for WCW. 
imagine that. David Bowie is the money man of the NWO. I'm joining the NWO. It's for life, brother. Tin Machine Bowie with his little beard. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> so there's been a booking sheet for WCW from September 28th in Columbus, Ohio, just listing Outsider 4, assumed to be Sean Waltman, and Outsider number 5. Mm. Um, and he's saying here, uh, Dave's what I don't believe Jeff Jarrett is free for another week. Davy Boy Smith's original contract was up this week, and he hadn't heard that he had officially signed. But he's certainly being pushed in WWF as if he's in their long-term plans. Whoever number five is has to be a big name because he's going to work a singles program with Sting. So more on that soon. It can't be Bulldog. We we sat in on the meeting where he yeah. signed with his, with the company. I want I want forty p every time you say bull, and forty p every time you say dog. <laughs> <laughs> but they have to be one after the other. I won't accept dog bull. That's a bunch of dog bull, that is. That's Vince, dog bull. Got a new catchphrase. I want to go woof woof moo moo. I don't know about that, Davy. <laughs> woof woof moo boo. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was enjoying in our work Slack chat. Was it yesterday when someone called Davy Boy a cowboy? And Aidan Gibbons put, he's not a cowboy. He's a man just that just sells confusing pie and mash combinations. I was like, it's canon. It's canon. It's yes, it's canon in the work slack. That is the best of news. That's all that matters. God love Davey. I, I, I think it's not, well, we know it's not Davey, but I like the idea that Davey Boy Smith might read The Observer this week and go, oh, Diane, I'm, go, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, to, uh, Warren chases windows. <laughs> you know the people that do our do our back back windows. We went for them apparently. Apparently, play, the... I've eaten all my tea. Can I play Doom? <laughs> I better better get practicing getting lead out of old church windows. I'll be knocking around church in ten minutes of our time. <laughs> no, Tom, I'm not going to steal any candlesticks. No, get that out of your head. <laughs> Keep having, it keeps making me go on the, on the railway tracks. To see. <laughs> Keep stopping the thirteen twelve to Wigan. <laughs> Feel very sorry. He convinced me that if I put my watch on the railway track, the train would flatten it. But he just it just broke it, and now <laughs> I've got a watch. Me if I put my watch on the railway track, it go back in time. <laughs> I wanted to live in Victorian Blackpool. <laughs> So, talk to in Blackpool. Here's some FMW news. Of course, that's where it was based. Victorian Blackpool. So, it's now expected that Mr. Pogo will return to FMW in a few months to build up to his final match on May the 5th, 1997. And he said that he wants the team of Atsushi Onita for his final match. What will actually happen, because I did an FMW script a while back and I had to dig into the weeds, Mr. Pogo will, you know, be working, building up to this retirement on May 5th, 1997. He'll wrestle a match in December 1996. It will be billed as his retirement, and it was apparently news to him at the time. He's like, Mr. Pogo's retiring. He's like, what the fuck I am? What? <laughs> <laughs> so they did that to him. So that's everything from the first observer. Here's the next one. Hang so, on. Just uh, let's have a little two-second break because Louis being a twat. Oh, <laughs> what's he doing? Come see us, Louis. So we're having a, a, a short break whilst uh, 
whilst we deal with a Louis-flavoured situation on the Coldaholic Classic Raw review. The joys of now doing this through the power of Zoom as we go and get an update on Louis. We know that Poppy was being silly. Now Louis's being silly as well. <laughs> Jack Atkins has just closed his door. So now it looks like even more so like he's a shut-in. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you shut your door and look like it was like the dark room went even darker. <laughs> it's, it's really warm in here as well because I've closed oh. the window. <laughs> but yeah, Louis, Louis decided to wake up. He's like, oh, what's going on? So he's just oh. been for the last five minutes outside going, her. <laughs> dad, <laughs> dad. Hello, dad. Her. Are you talking about the bulldog man again? Which he usually does when he can't find anyone. But Poppy was literally sat on our bed looking at him saying, I'm over here, no bed. So he's gone next door. Is he going blind? He's going fucking somewhere. (laughs) Oh, my God. I can't believe how slapdash. Like I said, from our lofty standards, this is exceedingly slapdash. These are exceedingly good cakes that we're making today, Jack (laughs) Atkins. Talking of good cakes, here's the next wrestling observer. Buckle in, fuck me. <laughs> so remember just two minutes ago we said Davy Boy Smith could join the NWO. Diana, I've gone I've gone to to now. Says he, yeah. Well, well it's it's not him because the giant turned instead. Oh no! <laughs> Diana, I'm not going to now. So this is the giant. I remember I'm I remember the commentary for the giant turning. The giant! Whoa, 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 whoa! The giant! As conspiracy off, as confused as we all were, as to why the giant's joining the NWO. I, I like the giant in the NWO, but he wasn't needed because they already had, you know, three massive fellas who could batter people. If anything, it made him look slightly. It made him look regular size. Yeah. So next to what? What's Nash like six eleven, but build a seven foot and. Hall's about six eight or something. Hall's dark, massive he? on his, his own right. Hogan's a tall boy, so yes, yeah, so he just giant should have stayed stood next to the the goblin that is Kevin Sullivan. <laughs> he looks massive next to Sullivan. Four foot tall, Kevin Sullivan playing a fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I so... hear what you're saying, but I did, I just thought that Giant was better as a as a a force against. Mm. the nwo and you know and it could have been an island unto himself in that company had Easily. he been booked properly but he'll flip flop and he'll turn face and heel and face and heel and that will be a running theme for his career i do believe we have a video on the youtube channel which is ranking every big show face and heel turn from worst to best that was one of mine yeah one of yours <laughs> that was one of mine. five bit of business that was sir oh, it was uh it was quite fun actually yeah, that, yeah. and uh, more than you thought as well right yeah definitely <laughs> definitely <laughs> It was trying to get the actual legwork to start that and it was like finding different Reddit posts basically to see where people had actually gone through the weeds and then corroborating them and going on other things. And then it was just a case of just watching through them all and seeing which runs were good and which were absolutely shite. So <laughs> that's on uh, that's on the Cultaholic YouTube now. My yeah. God. So the turn giants, the, what Bischoff wanted to do was because this will be coming up to the one-year anniversary of Nitro, which, again, yourself and Sam will reach very soon. Um, they wanted another big debut, similar to Lex Luger a year previously, and they were hoping it'd be Davey Boy Smith. And we've we said with the NWO that looking back on it, as good as Hollywood Hogan is, he's not cool compared to like Waltman, Hall, and Nash. Mm. He would have looked so cool if Davey Boy was there just like... <laughs> 
Yeah, yo. Lovely. <laughs> four lift. Life. But four, a forklift. I've got a forklift. <laughs> Job's got a forklift. NWO, forklifts. Get it in. We'll lift any pallet. I would, I would, if I, right, if, if, if Bulldog was joining the NWO, I, if I'd have been, if I was bitch, I'd have gone, right, okay. Every time you say WWF, I'm docking you a thousand dollars in your wages. I'm here in the W, the NWO. <laughs> I got every fucking week, I guarantee. He'd have forgotten where he fucking worked. I'm here in the W, the NWO. I, w- I was born in the NWO, the North Wigan Hospital. It was. <laughs> North Wigan Hospital! <laughs> but fair fucks Diana, to baby. They want me to they want me to go back to the North Wigan Hospital. Can I be baby again? Will you wipe me buff? Can I go back inside? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Diana, very sorry. <laughs> That's okay, Davey. I'm a figment of someone's imagination in the year twenty twenty three. I'm a very attractive woman. Well, I don't know. Why'd you say, why'd you have to say that? Just did. I am a very attractive woman. <laughs> so there's a I'm... great oh mate, the other Go week on. on the classic SmackDown review. Diana Hart's books just come out called uh called Under the Mat. Oh right? god. In which it's an amazing it's amazing. In which she claims that Bret Hart uh, tried uh, Bret Hart put the stoppers on her wrestling career because mm. they didn't want her getting involved in case she was too good, and she's basing this on the story she did with Shawn Michaels <laughs> earlier this year in 1996. She went, Bret stop, yeah, Bret didn't want me getting involved in it, which is a shame because I was gonna uh, start a, a big storyline with Shawn Michaels. Like, no, no, you stopped because you were shit. The hearts are a different breed, aren't they? They really are. She did this whole... She wrote this book, and it was a hatchet job on Bret Hart, mainly. Some others got off a bit lighter, but it was a hatchet on Bret Hart. Uh, she fucking... She roasts Martha. She roasts Owen Hart's wife uh, as after she died because she said, oh, after Owen died, she didn't want anything to do with us. And I think that was really rude. Of course you don't want to fucking do with it. You're all mental. I'd be <laughs> as far away as possible. <laughs> she goes off on Bret in this book. And then in the week that it comes out, she's doing promotions for it, and she goes onto a she goes onto a radio show to do to do an interview about it, and then the, they get calls, and one of the callers is Brett. <laughs> oh my god! Who calls up and just fucking chews her out for this awful book, and he ends the call. He ends the call by saying, "In the book, you mention about an alligator that lived on Dad's farm. There's only one alligator in that house, and it was you." <laughs> Mwah. Very good-looking alligator, but an alligator. Well, very hot alligator. Very hot alligator. <laughs> Lila, crocodile. Uh, but it's, oh my god, the book's amazing. Um, and the and the pro the promo for it was brilliant as well. Oh, but yeah. So nice little Diana Hart flavored <laughs> news this week. But going back to Dave. Oh yeah, sorry, Dave. Watch the Diana and the. You could have put me in the NWO, Brett. Yeah. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> Are you sure this is for? Like, uh, oh, Dave, I think that letter about joining the uh, the North Wigan Hospitals for me. Are you sure, love? Yeah, it'll be for me because, you know, I'm I'm a talented wrestler. All right. Here you go. <laughs> See you later. I'll go, get gonna... tea. I'll go get tea on. <laughs> How do you like your cornflakes? <laughs> <laughs> on fire.
So four days before Nitro, on the day Davy Boy's WWF contract was set to expire, he apparently signed a five-year deal worth two hundred and fifty grand a year per downside guarantee. The same as Mark Henry. Mark Henry's on two hundred and fifty grand. So Davy, I don't know if he's just a bit daft or if he's just so blindingly loyal. But um, we we're very w- poor. We're very Vince. <laughs> he's in Vince's office, which is like just like a an old rundown office. And they says, okay, I'll take tw- a threepence an hour. Oh, thank you, Davey. God bless you. As soon as Davey leaves, Vince presses a button. His office rotates. So this is like 17 magnums of champagne <laughs> on the wall. Like a full roast dinner. Like like gold walls. Ah, sucker. Bruce, I managed to get Davey to sign for £2.50 a year. <laughs> and Bruce is like, ha, ha, ha. That's great, Vince. That's more than I'm on. <laughs> Yay! So I'll do. WC- Bruce would have gone. I'll do it for. I'll do it for one thirty. I'll do it for some space raiders and a kiss. <laughs> so, WCW didn't offer space raiders and a crisp to David. They offered him four hundred grand a year Jeez. for a, th- a three-year deal. Um. So, but David got himself into trouble. So, <laughs> He gave his word to WWF. He, he he like he was working on a handshake basically. He said, "Oh yeah, I'll sign. I'll sign a new deal. No problem." Still talking to WCW, and they think they basically put the squeeze on Davy and called him an arsehole. So they'd been WWF and Davy Boy had been going back and forth over the last few weeks, you know, to try and get him to sign the deal. Um. But negotiations with WCW picked up uh, and they informed Davey Boy they had no problem flying him in from Calgary rather than have him relocate because they do it with other big stars. They've got people coming in from Mexico. Alex Wright is flying from Germany every... No, he's not. But um, so he gave... Dave's suggesting that he may have gave a verbal agreement to WWF whilst also possibly giving a verbal agreement for WCW. And they be- they believed he that Davy Boy was going to be in the NWO. Vince McMahon got wind, believed to have been on August twenty eighth, and he made a phone call to Davy with Jerry McDevitt as well. And he was furious, just absolutely tearing Davy a new one. <laughs> Dave Meltzer says he doesn't know if Titan actually tried legally threatening him, but if they got Jerry McDevitt on the phone, the likelihood is possible. Oh, um, my God. God but love him. Davey was pissed off because he said when he made the verbal agreement, and this is going back to something we've said, he was under the impression he'd be pushed as a top heel, and he feels that that push hasn't been kept because, you know, after having um, his title match with... Shawn Michaels, he didn't get like a proper rematch and he was getting squashed by Sid and all this. It's like what we've said, the, the booking of him is very odd. That mm. one week he'll look like a killer, the next week he'll look like a fool. So he's been absolutely fuming. But he signed anyway. <laughs> and he's going, all right, Vince, yeah, I'm sorry, mate. I'll, I'll sign there, don't worry. <laughs> um, and they reckon another part of it is because WWF has a stronger presence in Europe than WCW. So at least when he comes over, he's like, they can't shout at me here. They all act. <laughs> I, right, you know, <laughs> now that he agreed, of, according to the Observer, he had a verbal agreement with the WWF and a verbal agreement with WCW in place. <laughs> 
Why do you... I feel like these verbal agreements took place at two different restaurants on opposite sides of the road. <laughs> so he was, Oh, sorry I'm late, Eric. Oh, sorry, a traffic's nightmare. Yeah, get us a, get us a pint. Oh, pops the loo right back. Runs across the road. Oh, oh, puts his WWF shirt on. Oh, oh, sorry, Vince, I'm late. Oh, get us a pint of, pint of special brew. Hey, cheers, Vince. Oh, pops the loo. Across the road, whips off his WWF t-shirt, puts his WCW t-shirt on. Oh, sorry, big shit. Now, <laughs> I, like, I like joining, what's it called? New, the, the now, I'll join the now. That sounds great. Oh, my phone's going off. One second. I've just got to go outside and throw a lime at Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> and he runs across the road with that excuse. Sits next to Vince. Oh, sorry, Vince. Realises he's wearing his WCW shirt. Oh, I, I, I wore this as a joke. Like, look, I'm just ripping it. Oh, there we go. They're rubbish, aren't they, WCW? Anyway, Vince, I'll, I'll sign with you. I'll sign with you. Right, lovely. Anyway, oh, be right back. Diana's rigging me head. Runs across the road, sits back down, sweating, no shirt on. Bishop goes, how was Pierce? What? Pierce Brosnan? You went to throw a lime at him? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Did that. Sure. Showed him. Where's your WCW shirt gone? Oh, it um, blew off in a storm. <laughs> really stormy. In fact, I might have left my wallet out there, so I'll be right back. <laughs> this, is how, this is how he came to sign two verbal deals. Eric, can you dispel the rumour that WCW stands for Wankers Can't Wrestle? <laughs> you write it on that piece. Write down on that piece of paper there what it stands for, and I'll be right back. <laughs> oh, Vince is gone. <laughs> <laughs> or oh, Vince is... <laughs> Vince, as he stands up, Vince walks into the other restaurant. Oh! Oh, Eric, get, get, stop following me, Eric. I'm here to see my dad. Vi- oh, which of you was more likely to sign me? Because <laughs> I'll tell the other to fuck off. <laughs> what, 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 what? Oh, that's Davy. So now that Davey Boy isn't going to WCW, Aww. on the September 2nd Nitro, that, again, yourself and Sam Driver will come to, there are hints that more NWO members are being introduced. And as we know, fucking thousands will. Oh, God. One is believed to be Jeff Jarrett. And we've been saying for months here that his WWF contract is expiring and he'll jump to WCW. But his contract expires on October 4th. Another name who's been linked with WCW is Bam Bam Bigelow, who hasn't been, according to this, hasn't been wrestling for WWF. It's almost been a year since he last wrestled. Um, so, yeah, he's he's being floated as joining WCW, and he'll go ECW from this, and he, I think it's, is it 1999 he eventually joins WCW in the hardcore division? I thought it was... No, it would have been 99. No, you're right. It mm. would be 99. Yeah. I See, I, I didn't realise it had been a year since he wrestled. Apparently so, according to Dave, yeah. Yeah, of course, because him and Kevin Nash, him and Diesel were doing like a we're best friends yeah. thing very briefly and, and, and very shitly, uh, <laughs> which I think we talked about. But uh, yeah, I suppose he hasn't. What what, yeah. uh, what an asset that isn't doing anything. Mm. So after uh, after the last Observer that we touched on about two hours ago, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Bret Hart will return to the WWF to wrestle Steve Austin at Survivor Series. Yay! So that will been, be good. He's been in South Africa. He's been filming Sinbad. He's been having a lovely time. Um, he's reached the verbal agreement to return with Vince McMahon. He wants the rematch with Sean at WrestleMania because obviously he did the job for Sean at WrestleMania 12. Dropped the title. He wants Michaels to return the favor. The favor will he? Probably not. It's Shawn Michaels, um, <laughs> but he made it clear that he wants the belt back. I mean, him and Shawn just like, no, I want the belt. No, I want the belt. It's like, lads, it's not real. Um, <laughs> if only you've been there, Quantum Leap style, just to go, lads, it's not, it's a not real, real belt. Bret Hart would batter me. Sean would try and batter me, but someone else would batter him because he can't fight. <laughs> <laughs> Bulldog would just walk in. Did he be for out? Oh, oh. Just go, go, go through a lab at Pierce Preston. So, Brett's coming back. We'll touch upon this, but I'm racing I've through I've only this just stuff. got the fact that you said Pierce Preston because he was in Mrs. Doubtfire. There we go. <laughs> it was a drive-by, fruited. <laughs> you bastard. No, no, no. Sorry, if Bulldog had been in that scene with Pierce Brosnan, <laughs> love the fruit of him, Pierce would look around and Bulldog would have gone, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> if it was Bulldog, he'd just, just throw a pint glass at his <laughs> Fucking glasses, Pierce Brosnan. In every scene. Switch that, dickhead. <laughs> Mrs. Mrs. Dogfire, <laughs> did you did you glass Pierce Brosnan? Yeah, fucking did. <laughs> you sound like my old husband, the British Bulldog. Shut up. I've heard up. I've heard he's very attractive. I've heard he's uh, sexy and he's got a big knob. And he's dead good at doom. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Dogfire. <laughs> It's in the suit. Talking of sexy men with big knobs, Jim Helwig fired an unfair termination <laughs> of trademark <laughs> infringement lawsuit against Titan Sports on August 28th. Oh, yay! Yeah, so he's gone. The suit claims that WWE reneged on its 18-month contract for more than a million dollars with Helwig, who has legally changed his name to Warrior, so he's legally now Warrior. <laughs> His basic complaint was that Vince, WWF, and Linda wrongfully fired him for missing three shows while his father was dying, and they used the terms like Warrior, Ultimate Warrior, and the slogan Always Believe without honoring their contractual commitments to Hellwig. Uh, basically, Jerry McDevitt said the lawsuit was vague, it didn't have any specific instances of trademark infringements, and felt the phrase Always Believe isn't something that could be trademarked, and dismissed the suit as being without any merit. Jerry McDevitt apparently said... He sued us before and ran for cover as soon as we responded and said the current suit contains some of the same phony allegations as the, the one in 1992 did. So Jerry McDevitt is just not not having any of the warrior. He's busy this month, isn't he, McDevitt? Jesus Christ. He ain't scared of anybody. <laughs> he's not scared of Davy. He's not scared of warrior. He's not scared of... He's only scared of pandas. <laughs> as, as, as years to come, we'll learn. Oh, didn't you pray tell Tom? Didn't you do a deep dive on that recently? I did, and you'll be able to watch it. I think next week mm. or this week, depending on when 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 this lands. Uh, YouTube.com/slash cultaholic. We'll take a big old look into how WWF got the F out. 
Mm. Was, it, was it a strategic business decision? Was it pressure by the panda people? It was the latter. Don't worry about it. Yeah. But it's still fun to look at. I hated when they became WWE, when it was still called World Wrestling Entertainment, because obviously now it's it's an orphaned um, set of letters. My mind's gone blank. So it doesn't mean WWE. It doesn't mean World Wrestling Entertainment anymore. It just means WWE. But at first, when they were just like, I'm the best here in the WWE, I was like, what? You're the best in the World Wrestling Entertainment? It that doesn't make sense. It did my head in as well, didn't yeah. it? It really did my head in. Yeah. Just took so, a while. Do you, know, do you know a little fun trivia thing for you? Do you know what the last ever WWF event was? Oh, I did used to know this. It's not Backlash 2002? No. no. no? Go on. The last WWF event was WWF Insurrection 2002. Oh, there we go. From London. Very nice. It was one of those, it was one of those Skybox office house shows with nice lighting. <laughs> that we used to pay a lot of money for to see, I don't know, Shane McMahon versus Jeff Jarrett. Oh, bless my mum and dad paying fourteen ninety five for Gilbert versus Tiger Alley Singh. Oh my god. <laughs> the good people, your parents, they're good they were, people. They're good people. They've looked after me. <laughs> so I've still got like another seven things to get through before yeah, we can talk worry. about even more bollocks, so this weekend in question, WWF was involved in another controversy alongside AOL over what in some ways could be called a censorship issue. So AOL has both a WWF at the time had a WWF section and a separate section unaffiliated with the WWF called Grandstand in which people talked about, you know, just general wrestling. Talk about horse WCW, racing. ECW, horse wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... This WWF section made a lot of money for AOL, and because WWF had an exclusive contract and can't do anything with other existing online services, some officials of Worldwide Properties, the company that runs WWF's online magazine and other merchandising, have complained about negative comments regarding WWF pasted on this other channel. Just like, people are calling us bastards. We can't have this. And it's like, oh, <laughs> you can't censor people, really. That's what they were trying to do, was they were trying to... Make sure yeah. nobody said anything nasty about the World Wrestling Federation. Yeah, so there was a, an editorial written by someone called Jim Finch criticizing the WWF plan to do weekly pay-per-view shows. So um, Bob Mitchell of WWF attempted and succeeded in getting that editorial removed from the AOL boards at the time, and people started kicking off. Um, and as Dave's put here, it caused a huge weekend controversy with WWF in the major bad guy position and every scandal from the past being rehashed. Someone saying, you can't take the high. What about all the sex and steroids and you being bastards? So, yeah, they, they, they issued a, a joint apology on September 3rd for whatever mus- misunderstandings had taken place. Ah. Uh, uh, so, good right. old AOL. Couple more. Connie right. was livid. Here we go. Forget Connie. Someone who's coming into WWF. It is a German bodybuilder called Achim Albrecht, who we will come to know. Oh. What is his name? Brachus? Brachus is coming. Yes! What a useless individual. But, like, Dave's put, like, he's not as tall as, you know, the Ultimate Warrior or Lex Luger, but. When he wrestles, he'll have the greatest physique of any wrestler ever. And the way he's put it is, 
I don't know if he has any kind of athletic background, but on the surface, it sure seems like a major risk taking a steroid freak out of the gym and trying to make him a wrestler. Not that 11 or 12 years ago, a few guys with minimal or even no talent followed the same route and became huge stars. <laughs> the body donors are no more. So... <gasps> No! Uh, Tom Pritchard is being taken off the road and will work as a trainer for guys like Mark Henry and Brackus and anyone else they sign. And like we said, Skip is injured and when he comes back, it'll be with a new gimmick and probably back as a heel. So, body donors no more. I don't think he comes back at all, does he? I don't think he does, no. So, if we ne- is that the last time we'll ever see... Are we at our last body donors match? I had a look at cage match and the timeline was weird, so we might see them again if somewhere but we'll, we'll have it's to not, wait and it's see it's not un, un, against the realms of possibility that they bring somebody randomly back who they sack for just a match yeah maybe but um, I think Tom Pritchard will wrestle under a mask a couple of times because he's Tom Pritchard he can do anything can't he yeah. so finally last one Indie Bollocks and this made me laugh Indie Bollocks a group called Yankee Pro Wrestler featured a wrestler called Juan King who looks exactly like Don King <laughs> right Dave Meltzer, fuck off. <laughs> Is that the whole story? That's it. <laughs> Put a bolt through me head like a lame horse. <laughs> I need to know more about Wan King. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> a lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improves definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment no maintenance required improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with juvederm volux xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist visit juvederm.com that's j-u-v-e-d-e-r-m.com not for people with severe allergic reactions allergies to lidocaine or the proteins used in juvederm common side effects include injection site redness swelling pain tenderness firmness lumps bumps bruising discoloration or itching there's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel which can cause vision abnormalities blindness stroke temporary scabs or scarring talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature sleep number smart beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Let's get into so Thank you. Thank you very much, Jack Atkins, Jackie Orlando, for that uh, deep, girthy dive into two weeks' worth of the Wrestling Observer. Why have we got two weeks' worth? Because, well, we miss a week because it's a Raw Championship Friday this week. So we, we haven't missed a week, but we had an episode of Raw on the Monday. 
And then the Observer came out on the Friday, and then there was no Raw the following Monday because of the tennis. So now the Raw is on the Friday. Mm. That sounds about right. Something like that. Yeah. No ordinary Friday night Raw. It's Raw Championship Friday. Which yeah, means think... there is some title stuff. I think I looked. I think there's like there's only a handful of times when Raw has been on Friday in the whole 30 plus, well, the 30 years it's been on the air. I think it's maybe twice, maybe. Normally so they'll is... default to a Thursday. Yeah, so Thursday, this is April, Thursday. This is a, a rare beast we are about to talk about. It truly is. Um, and we get underway uh, for this particular episode of Raw with a sensational opening video. Mm. When you think of a great champion, this man, Shawn Michaels, naturally comes to mind. Strong. You mean, <laughs> I was going to say, as I put here, the cunt who never drops titles because he'd rather cry, rather cry arse or get suspended. Yeah. <laughs> he'd rather cry arse or get suspended. <laughs> Uh, although they do say strong, beloved, courageous, unquestionably one of a kind. Also Rob Van Dam, But mainly the things that you said. Yeah. When you think of the quintessential champion, this man, Goldust, is indeed the antithesis. Vulgar, vicious, despised, a lunatic on the fringe of magnificence. Like Shawn Michaels, he too exudes confidence. Like the champion, he too is a great tactician. But his cherished battleground is his opponent's fragile psyche, a war zone where insecurity leads the mutiny and ego is shattered like a bone. Call him weird, repulsive, psychotic. After tonight, we may all have to call him champion. Whoa. Oh! And it was to the classic... Ah, oh, hats off to the video editor for this who made a Shawn Michaels Goldust title match feel like the biggest fucking deal on the planet. Oh, straight away, I was like, I need to see this match. It was brilliant, yeah. And hats off to Jim Fagan, the voiceover, who we don't give anywhere near enough love to on the Cold Hollywood Classic Raw review. He is the voiceover that isn't Vince McMahon or Todd Pettengill, who can effortlessly add gravitas to seemingly mundane matches. Mm. Uh, until his death in 2017, his voice appeared on the NFL, the NBA, the Olympics, NBA, NBC Sports, and hundreds of commercials. He passed away in 2017 after a long battle with Parkinson's, but what a tombra, what a voice hmm. he leaves behind. Yeah, we'll hear fantastic. It again later, won't we? Yeah, especially as we're getting into this era now with the video packages like we had the other week with that Undertaker one. They just go to the next level. So good. Uh, it is the Championship Friday episode of Raw, uh, which means some of the matches have title implications. <laughs> Very vague. Uh, the Intercontinental Title Tournament dominates the first half of the show. First match being Hunter Hearst Helmsley versus Psycho Sid. Jim Ross and Kevin Kelly are on commentary for this week. Uh, Sid makes his way to the ring. The pop is wild and only partly sweetened. Yeah, there, there was a bit of piped in noise, but you could tell he's still over. Mm. Hunter Hearst Helmsley's nameplate says H.H. H. Helmsley, which may have got some people in creative thinking. Mm, yeah, I've got the head double H. Mm, hit me with that double H. <laughs> Jim uh, Hunter is accompanied to the ring by Kimberly, his latest mm. valet. Couldn't find anything about her other than the fact that Reddit seemed to have a, a very weird thing for her, as do the YouTube comments, which are grim. <laughs> now, the last valet that Hunter brought to the ring got stolen by bloody Mr. Perfect. He did it on Superstars of the Week and did it again at the WWF Experience event in Toronto just the other day. 
Uh, Hunter Hurst Helmsley, despite that, has brought a new one to the ring. I'd put a tracker on them if I were him. I don't know what he's doing with them. Helmsley stalls for ages, during which Jim Ross calls him cerebral. He is just that until Sid boots him in the face. But Helmsley turns a, ne- a backdrop into a neck breaker, getting some offense on Sid. But he ain't down for long. Flattens Hunter with a choke slam as Mr. Perfect walks towards the ringside. One powerbomb later, and Sid is through to the next round of the Intercontinental Title Tournament. Mr. Perfect, meanwhile, takes Kimberly by the hand and leaves with her. Third one now. I can only assume he's stocking up a wife mine. <laughs> Helmsley <laughs> wakes up and realises that Perfect has nabbed another lass and he is livid. Thoughts on your opening match for Raw, sir? I mean, did you really think this was going any other way? No. But it's nice to see Trips getting some sort of a story after months in the doghouse. Obviously, he's still losing, but I think that the Triple H redemption arc is going to hit very soon. The comeback will be greater than the setback mm. once he finds all his wives again. We have a medical update on Ahmed Johnson. Dr. Joel A. Hackett, MD, holds up a kidney he took out of the operation board game to show us what a kidney looks like. Thanks, Doc. Look at it. It's tiny plastic. <laughs> As you can see, this is a kidney. Ahmed's doesn't look like this. It's fucked. Uh... <laughs> Isn't that what Knuckles is? <laughs> what a kidney. <laughs> hey! hey! He's bloody done it. Oh. What a pro, ladies and gentlemen. What a pro. After the reading audience all that, di- all that- like ginger in my head. <laughs> Buddy. Hang on. I'll have to pause it there. Someone's at the door. Oh, who is it now? Is it Poppy? Is it Louie? Is it a postman delivering more of your favourite Pez flavoured stuff for Jack Atkins? We're going to find out very shortly. I will insist that we get an update on who was at the door upon when he arrives at the door. What if this is like, what if this is somebody who's coming to to take him out? Have we ever thought about that? What if it's a wrong number? What if it's the bin man wondering where the bin is? What if it's the milkman wondering where the milk is? What if it's the postman dropping off a package? We're going to find out who is it? Who was it? It was a man giving me some hats. Oh, yes, the famous Liverpool hat man. This has been the most chaotic hour of my fucking life. What's happened? What, did, did you order the hats or are they just I, like gifts? I did order some hats, yes. But it's just like the first half of my day was really laid back. The cats were asleep. I watched Raw, <laughs> took some notes. Fantastic. Second hit record. Everyone goes, hey, Atkins, I need you for a second. It's like, no, you fucking don't. Everybody needs you for hats. Uh, can we see one of your hats next week? Sure, if if I don't send them back. <laughs> anyway, Ahmed wishes he could send his bloody kidney back. It's awful. <laughs> uh, Ahmed is apparently still bleeding out of his kidney, and there's a chance he'll have to get it removed. Uh, Ahmed, however, takes the fact that he didn't die of kidney failure as a sign that God wants him to be in the WWF. The doctor says there's a chance that Ahmed could be back 100%. God is yet to comment on this. <laughs> It's like, don't get me involved in this. Yeah, I, 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 mate, I'm trying to put you off it, I'll be honest. <laughs> That's not how I read it. Oh, no. <coughs> the, the Ahmed red, lovely red cotton uh, dressing gown updates are becoming a favourite part of Raw for me. Yeah, yeah. Like, He's, it's, it's, it's just an easy way to keep him in the audience, the front of the audience's mind. 
It's not like out of sight, out of mind. It's literally the opposite. That is like, keep them fresh, keep them there. I wish they'd do it more often um, because they don't do it much anymore. You think back to young Randy Orton when he broke his arm and he had the Randy news updates. Yeah. And that was RNN. That was fantastic and it helped get him over, helped him, you know, sharpen some of his chops that weren't in ring chops. And I think it's it can be very effective. And like what they do with someone we'll talk about in a minute who joins commentary, if they can't wrestle, still use them somehow. That's it. That's it. Uh, Ahmed Johnson will keep you in our thoughts. Uh, former Intercontinental Champion Ahmed. The reason that the Intercontinental Title Tournament is taking mm. place. And our second match for the tournament tonight is up next with Steve Austin versus Mark Marrow. Throwback to King of the Ring here. Uh, joining Kevin Kelly and Jim Ross on commentary is the ticking time bomb, Brian Pillman. Well said, Jack Atkins. Thank keep you. using him. Uh, Pillman's got a big surprise that's going to end frustration for journalists all over. It pertains to Bret Hart and his future in the WWF. I wonder what this could be about. I Uh. hope he talks about Simbad. Pillman puts over the Hart family saying he's practically adopted by the Hearts. Uh, Did you see this week uh, on Twitter a photo doing the rounds of Stu Hart stretching somebody in the dungeon? Yes. Uh, that somebody was wearing a Newcastle United top from the mid-90s, which has led many to believe, including North Wrestling on Twitter, that Shaka Hislop did some time in the dungeon. <laughs> I mean, stranger things have somehow happened in the world of wrestling <laughs> and football. It sadly wasn't Shaka Hislop, uh, as far as we know. Uh, all the innuendo and speculation regarding Bret Hart will come to an end tonight, according to Brian Pillman. Uh, meanwhile, in the match, no wrist tape on Steve Austin. It makes him look weirdly naked. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Anytime Austin doesn't wear knee pads or wrist tape or elbow pads, he looks naked. Yeah. The weird, weird bit. It's the same with Batista. If you look from like early, what, like 2005, if Batista ever had to do, you know, a promotional photo, you know, for a poster or anything like that, the lazy bastard wouldn't tape up his wrists or put on his elbow pad, so he just looks like just a man in some tight leather undies, and it looks weird. Strange bloody look. Um, we get a series of near falls between Mero and Austin, broken up by a drop kick from Mero, leading to Austin taking a powder. This was a nice little back-and-forth roly-uppy segment. Yeah. We don't see Austin do many of these later in his career, so it's nice that we get to see them now. Uh, JR informs us that Hunter and Mr. Perfect had to be separated in the locker room, presumably next to the door, which is housing Mr. Perfect's wife, mine. We'll, he'll keep us updated on that. It's, uh, again, like we're saying, it's what we've said, one of the advantages of Raw becoming tight because it's got competition against WCW. They're just fervent storylines, making storylines, using every bit of the broadcast they can to just say, well, this is happening, this is happening, this is going on, this could happen. It's it's fantastic. It's just so easy to do. Yeah, it makes it feel like even when it's a taped, canned show, mm. the, the action never stops. Yeah. And I think that's a really powerful tool to have in your arsenal. Uh, JR, after informing us of that, uh, calls roll-ups, inside cradles, and backsides, backslides are plenty. Not backsides. Very un-Austin-like match so far. After the break, Austin takes the lead with a lovely stun gun over the rope. Uh, Austin misses the elbow drop, and Wildman fights back with punches in the corner, a lovely top rope axe handle. However, the finish comes when Austin throws Mero outside, and as Mero goes to springboard back in, Austin pulls the ref in his general direction, which means the ref gets walloped by Mero, and the ref calls for a DQ. Uh, However, he awards the match to Mark Mero. 
Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. Because he realised it was Austin playing shenanigans here. Yeah. Uh, and as a consequence, uh, Austin hits a stunner for good measure on the referee. Uh, on the referee after, oh sorry, he hits, a, he hits a stunner on Mero as the referee awards the match to Mero. Yeah, a proper like a, stunner as well. The stunners that I like, where he just drops and Mero just crumples. Yeah, yeah, the decent ones. The brawl continues post match, and an apology of zebras enter the ring to break them up alongside Tony Gar- Tony Guria, Wurzel, and Gerald Briscoe. Mm. Thoughts on this match? Good match. Um, good hands in the mid card. Mm. They can work well together. They can go. I think they've had a couple of matches now. And it's like, this isn't really like a proper comparison, but just kind of like the way that with WCW, the lower card stuff and the cruiserweight stuff was really interesting. The main event was shite. With WWF, the main events is good, but they are allowing these lower card, mid card wrestlers. They are allowing them to get out there and wrestle. And with the the post-match brawl was boss, because like I was saying before about it's not hard to build stuff, really, if you put your mind to it. I hate that in modern wrestling that um, these mass brawls only really happen in the main event. Doing it in the lower and mid card makes people care straight away. Just to just do it. It's great. And I like the fact that it's referees. I hated when it got to that stage a couple of years ago in WF when you had Undertaker versus Lesnar. And it was the locker room coming out. The locker room wouldn't give a shit. No. Send agents, send security guard, let them get yeeted all over the place. But do it for lower card guys as well, and it'll get them over. I like it. It's a, yeah, when when done well, it's a good it's a good spot. It makes yeah. something feel very important very quickly. Mm. A, a bit like a promo with Jerry Lawler. Oh. Uh, he's already in the ring, and he is interviewing the newest signing to the World Wrestling Federation, Mark Henry. Yeah. Lawler's taking the piss out of Mark Henry's cheeriness. Uh, now, there was something that we kind of glossed over when we watched SummerSlam, and until I re-listened to the New Generation Era's podcast about it, it didn't clock, it didn't click with me, was that Jerry Lawler was making all these jokes about Jake Roberts being an alcoholic, and Mark Henry was laughing at them all. <laughs> like, he thought it was the funniest thing ever. It was like, <laughs> Mark, you're not meant to laugh. No, th- this man's a bastard, Mark. A you're an American man. hero. Lawler says Jake Roberts and the Olympians had something in common as they both got bombed. Mm. Um, yeah, this is this is a fucking disgraceful joke around the Centennial Olympic Park bombing that took place on July the 27th, 1996, uh, which uh, a blast that killed one person and injured 111 other people. Uh, it was the first of four bombings committed by Eric Rudolph in a terrorism campaign against what he called the ideas of global socialism and abortion on demand. Security guard Richard Jewell discovered the bomb before detonation, notified Georgia Bureau of Investigation officers, began clearing spectators out of the park along with other security guards, but there, it wasn't without casualty. And Jerry Lawler thinks this is a good bit of bants. Yeah, twat, isn't he? He's a twat. Yeah. So I'm, I would, he didn't know, obviously he was not on comms this week with the news of Tupac coming out. I wouldn't, I would, I'm terrified they put him on comms next week oh, following God. that. Yeah. Um, Jerry Lawler says that Mark Henry has signed with the WWF. As we talked about, this is the controversial 10 year guaranteed $250,000 per year deal for a guy who has never wrestled in his life. It's... Big, big punt on Marky Boo. Go for it, Mark. And he'll, he'll become a great wrestler. It won't be until the, the pretty much the end, the but... vinegar strokes of his career, <laughs> that Mark Henry really grows into his own. Yeah, but I mean, part of that is the usual WWF thing of, oh, you're not doing quite how we'd like you to have done, so we're going to book you like a joke. It's like, no, you can book yourself out of this. 
But it wasn't until he went Hall of Pain that everyone went, oh, yeah, he should have been like this all the time because he's a massive man. He The world title really suited him as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, you have some belts that just look good on people. Yeah. Big, big gold, look good on Big Mark. Look tiny in his hands as well, the strap yeah. itself. Amazing. So good. Uh, uh, for Now, Mark Henry is being laughed at by Jerry Lawler, and Lawler says he's already making people cross, is Mark Henry. He made Roberts mad for stealing his booze at SummerSlam and made Vader mad for sizing him up. Je- uh, Mark Henry says he doesn't like Jerry Lawler. He doesn't like Vader. He doesn't like a few other people backstage as well. But Lawler wants to challenge Mark Henry to a match. Mark's up for it, but he says, I'm not ready to wrestle yet, so another day, which feels like a really weird chicken shit move. Yeah. <laughs> Lawler then says Henry should have won a gold medal for being the biggest coward at the Olympics. To which Mark Henry says, all right, if you want to wrestle, it's on. You're going to get a gold medal butt kicking. Right. Weird, this. It's... I'll say the positives. Please do. I think Mark Henry showed a lot of charisma. Yeah. At the end, where he's threatening to kick his head in. Someone's going to get their ass whooped. Someone's going to get their wig split, etc. That bit was good. The rest of it, just a Jerry Lola waffle-a-thon, wasn't it, really? Felt that way. Mm. It did feel that way. Um, I just, I don't know what, I, Jerry Lola, if he wins against Mark Henry, I'm going to be fucking livid. History says that he'll probably win. Oh, he'll, yeah, he'll come out looking strong, despite the fact that he really shouldn't. He's a horrible no, human being, is no, Jerry Lola. No, yeah, absolutely not. And it's fine to be a horrible human being in wrestling, Apart from really country things about real life stuff. But here's the thing as a bad guy, you've got to get your comeuppance. Yeah. He never gets his comeuppance. Nope. And that was that is what drives me mad. Is that he never gets really what's coming to him. Just gets away scot-free he's and keeps to... strong for some reason. He he needs to look at women's breasts. It's like, okay, Vince, fantastic. Don't put him in the ring if you don't feel like you can ever have anyone beat him. Mm. Weird. Uh, back to in-ring action. Mankind's on the way to the ring with Paul Bearer. He's taking on Alex Pugporto. What Bet are you're you excited. Yeah. <laughs> bloody love Pug. I've been watching him on um, on Bloody Superstars. Hey. Coming out to Steiner's old fight music. Lobbing people around like a, like a, like a prototype Kurt Angle, like a beta test Kurt Angle. He looks like Charlie Haas. He does look like Charlie Haas, doesn't he? Yeah. He just looks the business. Yeah. Uh, obviously not here, because he's here to get a shooting from Mankind. <laughs> you know your role, Pug. Um, the bigger story is on commentary, as Jerry Lawler, sorry, as Jim Ross, rather, reveals some bloody big breaking bloody news that Diesel and Razor Ramon are on their way back to the WWF. JR has it on very good authority from some very reliable sources. What? Oh, we are in for some absolute shite. Oh, we really are. <laughs> I am intrigued to, to know, and we'll probably find out in the weeks to come, what Bischoff's reaction was to that particular mm. bit of commentary. Like, I have a feeling that doesn't he... This I'll, We'll check this for next week, definitely. Does he offer, like, Diesel and raised Kevin and Scott more money. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure. Is, is it the Kevin Nash the... shoot where he just basically says he came in and said, do you want like another half a mil? And they're both like, yeah, fuck it, why not? <laughs> yeah, because they never denied that they weren't going back. Mm. They never, they never, they, yeah, they didn't shoot it down. They, they were never forthcoming about it. So they went, have some more money. All but right. 
weird because obviously everyone knows about this because it's infamous but surely doesn't this inadvertently make the nwo stronger because if they've made them deny that they're working for the wwf and invade and people are just going to be like oh, so they are invading shit yeah <laughs> pretty much yeah. they they, they it, it, in, in doing this it actually makes them look worse but i don't mm. think i don't think they know that just yet there was an even bigger story on commentary in in hindsight that followed this which I love, in which JR says, uh, this week, the Stamford offices were visited by Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle. Like, what? That's the big story here. I mean... Fuck, fuck your fake racer in Diesel. Kurt Angle's having a chat with Vince. I felt like... Uh, <laughs> for many people's money, possibly the greatest in-ring talent of all time mm-hmm. in terms of someone who hit it like a duck to water as well. The rise of... Oh, so fucking good. So oh, good. I wonder if they gave him one of those 10-year deals then. Probably not. They probably gave him like a, like a very low down. Because bear in mind that he didn't debut. Like, we're talking about him in 96. Yeah. You don't see him on telly till 99. Well, well, well considering, yeah, because after this, he's going to go to the ECW arena and get very, very upset. Mm. Well, that'd be a fun story to tell. <laughs> That will be a fun story to tell. Anyway, at the back, the, the foreground of all this background talk is Pug getting battered by Mankind. Grounded punches, neck breaker, mandible claw, Pug loses to Mankind. Let's keep Mankind strong ahead of In Your House Man Games, Man which, Games. which has its own little logo now, which is a, a skull, CGI animated skull with Mankind's mask on it. And the and like eye a, is all spinning. Like a 12-foot forehead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, not much to that match, really, was there? No, no. It just further puts over mankind. Enough said. We cut to a cinematic wrestling match that features Psycho Sid taking on Angus the Elephant during the Special Olympics in a tug-of-war contest. Uh, clip, clip from the Special Olympics. We talked about earlier We talked earlier today about the WWF experience, which took over Toronto, and how that same weekend they held, uh, they were involved with the softball, charity softball match with the Special Olympics team. Part of the, uh, the, the, the event was an elephant from the local circus called Angus, and Sid attempting to enter a tug-of-war with the elephant, the elephant won the first round, but then the Special Olympians teamed up to help Sid pull this poor fucking elephant across the line to win. That elephant, like you said earlier, Jackins, did not want to be there. No, and you can see he's got the like the chain around his leg and stuff. And it's like, oh, poor, poor sod. Mm. But, you know, Sid got a win and he got to play softball. This is probably the best day of his life. He got to meet <laughs> an elephant. No, I like the fact that he probably didn't play softball. They took him to play softball. They went, oh, no, you're doing tug-of-war with that elephant instead. And he was like... Fuck off. Just want to play softball. <laughs> Weird segment. Then we get footage from the autograph signing. Mm-hmm. And then we get more footage from the WWF event uh, in the uh, the the arena from Toronto. All looks great on like WWF's yeah. cameras. The bootleg obviously is, is a bit rough. But WWF make it look like the biggest show on earth. Yeah. Which I think is great. It looked fantastic. Nice to see Piper. Last time we'll see him for a while. Um. And it was not a bad card. Not not a bad card. Great turnout. Uh, a handy reminder, and it's a great how future, uh, you know, future echoes and stuff. In the sense that WWE and AEW will, you know, always draw better internationally than domestically. Yeah, this oh, yeah. is down uh, in in the US. They know they can go to the UK, to Australia, to India, to Canada. 
Uh, maybe not so much with Canada with AEW. I've seen the, the tickets for Collision. Um, but, but certainly many other places, and they can do wild numbers. And it's always yeah. a reassurance. Like, even when business is down like it is in 96. It, I think it's just any market that you don't really go to. Like saying about the example of AEW, for ages they didn't run California. And then when they finally went out there, it sold like gangbusters. It's just, it's it seems the, the world of wrestling tour and promotion, it seems like a very hard tightrope to walk. Because if you oversaturate a market, you'll kill it. Uh, but if you don't do it too much, you might end up pissing people off for not going there. So. Yeah, it's a balancing act. It's a balancing act. Right. Out comes Bob Backlund. Backlund is here because he says he will manage the WWF champion soon. No, ooh, the WWWF champion. I'm sorry, the WWWF <laughs> champion soon. But he's not doing it on his own. He introduces the man who, whilst he has a lot of abomination for, will co-manage and train his future WWWF champion, the Iron Sheik. Yes. Oh, my days. Iron Sheik comes out to Oil Ocean Zone Act 1 from Sonic the Hedgehog 2, and the crowd are booing like wild to see the Iron Sheik. He looks amazing. The music's quality. It's the Iron Sheik. Fucking, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I don't care. I don't care. Yes. Jim Ross immediately tells us the historical significance of this pairing. It was Sheiky Baby that beat Bob Backlund for the WWF title in 1984, which mm. led to the advent of Hulkamania. Yes. Uh, so uh, a qu- quite, quite the shock to see these two back together. Iron Sheik speaks. <laughs> Iron Sheik puts over Tehran, obviously. And puts over Bob Backlund as a great American. Quote, my pleasure, Mr. Bob Backlund. You was yourself great All-American College All-American. Mr. Bob Backlund, six-time WWJ, WWF six years champion. I was lucky that night I became champion. And you people remember I was the Red Iranian. I come Olympics from Germany and also United States of America. And, of course, the greatest WWF champion of all time. JR says the interview should have been in closed captions. Uh, at this point, Iron Sheik's music starts playing. Iron Sheik continues to talk. And Kevin Kelly informs us, we're going to a break. When we come back, our main event. And that's it. <laughs> Amazing. It's so good. It was a fucking train wreck. <laughs> a train wreck. It just needed Sheik saying, fuck you, Hulk Hogan. I'll break your neck. I'll break your back. I'll make you humble. Fuck off. Were we meant to see their new charge here? Or was this a tease for something in the future? I think it was a tease. Okay. I assume it was a tease. The thing is, as well, this is (laughs) pre-recorded. This is the best they could do. Yeah, Christ. Without cutting anybody's match off. I would have, surely, you would have just had... If you, if you needed to save some time, you'd just show Iron Sheik's entrance, but not show his promo. Obviously, yeah. we'd miss out on a stunning promo if they played that game. Um, but <laughs> so it was sensational. So good. So good. Backland and the Iron Sheik will be managing a WWF star. Who would that be? I guess we'll find out next time. 
Oh, I've got some good juicy bollocks on that one for next time. Don't you worry. <laughs> we get a commercial for the WWF fall season. It shows a skydiver watching WWF on a small TV like he's in the future. He then crashes into the woods and dies, presumably. <laughs> because <laughs> WWF is so compelling, he forgot to pull his parachute. Admittedly, if I was watching that Iron Sheik Backland promo while skydiving, I'd have forgotten to pull my parachute as well. The thing is that you wouldn't be able to hear anything. You just hear. <laughs> Welcome. Six, six diamond champion. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. So the fall season is a big thing in television, particularly off of America, because this is a chance for new shows to be born and the lead to be taken on the... Um, on the um on the tv ratings yeah so that's the plan um do you want to hear what the wwf is going up against oh, go on <laughs> okay it's going up against brand new shows such as party girl which is mm. a sitcom about a young girl living the wildlife in new york city <laughs> based off a movie of the same name and stars christine taylor aka Marsha brady in the lead role it goes up against Dangerous Minds, which is a TV spin-off of the movie Dangerous Minds, but with Michelle Pfeiffer's role being played by Janine from Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> they made 17 episodes and it died on the vine. Wow. And it's going up against Cosby. A show starring Bill Cosby and Felicia Rashad about a grumpy old man from New York City forced into retirement early. It was based off of the UK sitcom One Foot in the Grave, with series director of One Foot in the Grave, David Renwick, credited as a consultant. I don't I, believe it. I didn't know this happened. You don't believe it? I don't believe it. It happened. It ran for four seasons and 96 episodes. See, I, I remember, like, obviously there was the, the Cosby show from, like, the 80s and 90s, and you hear of like Cosby and I thought it would have just been a continuation of that. I didn't realise it was an adaptation of one foot in the fucking grave. Yeah. In the same way that Stamford and Son is based on Steptoe and Son. Mm -hmm. Like they take the general premise. Yeah. But they spit it in their own way. And, yeah. and it launched this week up against Monday Night Raw. Christ. <laughs> so some tough competition. Thank God we've got Sheiky Baby and Bob Backlund back. <laughs> So, there's some extracurricular there. So, you got some episodes of maybe Dangerous Minds. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Janine from Ghostbusters. Jesus, what? The main event is here. I genuinely went, what What happened to Backland and Sheik? <laughs> I thought we were going to come back from the break and Sheik would still be talking. Nope, they're gone. No, just never mentioned again. They weren't either. Just forget that. Bin that off. <laughs> hey, look, you can't be right all the time. Uh, the main event is Shawn Michaels putting the WWF title on the line against Goldust. Shawn Michaels sends Goldust packing twice as his music plays in the mm. in the ring, throwing him out the ring once and then once again. It's lovely. Shawn Michaels has had a busy week. He was on the cover of Playgirl, and they even we even get to see some photos from the photo shoot per se. 
uh, from Shawn Michaels' book, Heartbreak and Triumph. Some genius in the company thought that having me pose for Playgirl would be good publicity for the company and help me get over. Since I wasn't going to pose naked, I agreed to do it. I thought, well, it's a magazine that women read, so why not? I figured if Playboy was for men, then Playgirl was for women. How wrong he was. Mm. Um, I think we may have talked about this before. I about when my deja vu is getting the better of me. But ProWrestlingReality.com cited an unnamed source a little while ago who said that Playgirl.com um, reached out to Shawn Michaels yeah. Yeah. to do a, another a reprisal of the Playgirl shoot. Yeah, because I think Dave touched upon when the actual shoot happened was a few months back. Mm. Well, they said we were, we're, we're really running with this aged lion concept and they're wanting to reach out to Sean due to massive sales of the original print. And apparently he was offered $500,000 to do it. <laughs> I know he's a man of God, but... Everyone's I, got a price. <laughs> I, everyone's got a price for, for Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> Shawn Michaels was doing fine in this match until he lowered his head for a back body drop and got uppercutted by Goldie. Uh, he's beaten up outside the ring where Marlena blows smoke in his face. That won't mm. do a lot of damage, but it'll be annoying, says Jim Ross. <laughs> he takes a suplex as we cut to a picture-in-picture picture of the bowels of the arena where mankind is lurking, calling for sexy boy. Turns out it's not the bowels of the arena. It's actually the back of the arena. Yeah, because can... I thought it was the bowels as well, because it, it lingers on mankind for too long, and he's kind of... Is he looking through... A window or well he's he's in like a like a breakout area yeah i believe like maybe like somewhere the fans would file in through yeah maybe it was just yeah it was it wasn't very clear where he was mm, maybe but he's he's hanging around sean comes back after a double down and lands a forearm smash Goldust reverses the polarity on the crossbody off the top rope as we go to break we then get a brilliant promo for mind games more jim fagan voiceover goodness behold yeah. the face of fear the mind of madness behold the horror that could soon be champion pray that this man Shawn michaels can stop the insanity pray for him if he doesn't oh and the footage of mankind it was in it was negative and it was also in like a sepia tone there was a scratchy font for mind games yeah, brilliant. Yeah. And I didn't write down Mankind's quote. I should have done where during this he says, I'm very frightened for what will happen when I finally lose my mind. Like words to that effect. I'm like, oh, it's so good. Back from the break, just in time to see an elbow and nearly a sweet chin music. However, Marlena runs distraction, which leads to nearly a curtain call. Michaels rolls through it, lands a fake out, then a moonsault and gets the pin off the moonsault over gold dust. Mm. retaining his, his WWF title in the main event of Championship Friday. The second that the three count goes down, Mankind charges to the ring. And it looks like Mankind and Goldust are going to double-team Sean in the corner. But Sean r- runs underneath them and then legs it out of the ring, choosing to live to fight another day. Was this a cowardly thing to do? Or was this a brave thing to do? It was sensible. The sensible two, thing to do. two absolute lunatics in the ring. That's the fastest I've ever seen Mick Foley go as well. Oh, he, he really did go in, did Yeah. Imagine the noise his knees were making as he was running like that. He'd sound like a, clo- he'd sound like a clockwork night. <laughs> he'd, sound like, he'd sound like he was smuggling spoons. Is <laughs> that our weekly, you know, guaranteed uh, clockwork night reference? <laughs> we had to get it in because I'm aware that it's nearly the end of the show. I was worried that we were running out of time to not mention Clockwork Night. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, Paul Bearer appears smiling as Sean and Jose uh, beat a sensible retreat mm. as Raw goes off the air. Uh, I thought the main event for what it was a lot. It was there was a lot of clutter around it, but for what it was, it was a good main event. Yeah, uh, it was good, quick paced. You know, it's it's Michaels, it's Goldust who was on it as well. HPK over. There was no audio sweetening in this at all. Lots of screaming, people really getting behind him. Um, I think the video package at the start helped it as well. It obviously not for the live crowd, but for us, it was like yeah, getting invested in this. And the way they ended the show as well, it it felt very what will come to be a hallmark of the Attitude Era, WCW, I don't know if they've started doing it already, you know, ending on a kind of, not a cliffhanger, but a tease rather than just someone winning and going, yay! Yeah. It's like, oh shit, this has nearly happened, what will happen next time? Ooh. So, I, mean, I mean, they've done that, they've, they've not been shy of doing that. There's no. Quite a few roars have ended with brawls. Yeah, but they're starting to lean into it more and more. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly more of it. Uh, mm. Your thoughts on Raw this week? It was uh, it was a good raw. Obviously, there was a couple of absolute shite segments. Uh, <laughs> Don't know what you're talking Bob, about. Bob Buckland, the Iron Sheik. Um, but lots of storyline progression for the mid card. There was the tease of fucking Diesel and Razor Ramon. Bob, ah, oh, if there was something for everyone, there was good wrestling. There was good video packages. There was fucking some upset elephant. There was some shite. There was Porto. Yeah, good raw. <laughs> Yourself. <laughs> Uh, elephant in there, uh, Iron Sheik and Bob Backlund talking utter shite. Uh, they made the best of a situation where they were off their normal time slot, and I know that's mm. normally uh, a bit of a blow for a regular TV show, particularly as we get into the throes of a Monday Night War. Uh, but I think they did the best with it. I think that it's going to be a recurring theme where these promo packages make matches far bigger than they deserve to be. 100%. Uh, I think, you know what, as Sean and Goldust, they had a great match. It looked like a great match in Toronto the night a few nights before this match was fine but I think the promo the build to the, pro, the build to the match was far superior than the match itself yeah I mean it's they can't obviously compete really with WCW on a money or resources front but if they just invest it in the video talent and the promo talent fine you can make your product look fantastic with that accentuate the positives hide the negatives it's a Paul Heyman trick wasn't exactly, it exactly yeah yeah so we'll do more of that. And we've accentuated the positives uh, of uh, what has been uh, one of our finest podcasts. I know I know this is free <laughs> for people who but listen. But do we owe people money for this one? For, for the Patreon watchers, if you tweet me your displeasure, I'll send you two pence. Right. For the audio listeners, I'll send you one pence. <laughs> if you're a Patreon, you got to see, you got to see Poppy earlier. Mm. I mean that's that's a gift in itself, yeah. So actually, no. Fuck yous, you can send me two. Yeah, I'm sorry, you got a cat on yours, (laughs) an actual cat. Little shit bag, can't believe. Lovely little shit bag. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll be back with more shit bags hopefully next week. And we're going to go to the closing raw review. Until then, he is at the he's a Brat Atkins on Twitter. I'm at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Together, we're at Gold Oleg on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. Oh, Fitz. Oh, Oh, Eric. Um, Vince, what are you doing in this restaurant, you bastard? <laughs> yeah, I thought you weren't coming, and I had I had this voucher for a free meal with any kids' meal. So, <laughs> asked uh, free Eric. Burger in the back. sun. Yeah, it's oh, it's been out a bit, but you you might not poop. <laughs> <laughs>
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cultaholic Wrestling News.